Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and what's next. It's a show that asks questions and peels back the layers of our average everyday experience and goes beyond scratching the surface. We interview people doing incredible things who are making a difference around the globe. Join me as we listen in and get one step closer to understanding that big ideas shared create collaboration. Collaboration can inspire community, and communities create social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is with Barry Averidge. His new film, Oscar Peterson, Black and White, is premiering at the Toronto International Film Festival 2021. It's going to be in theaters in the very near future and also on Crave. And as you're going to hear, it's going global in the not-so-distant future. This is a, a, a beautiful celebration of, of not only Oscar's life, but his music and, and his relationships. We talk a great deal about... Um, why music is an act of resistance. We talk about how Oscar, he, he, he really was about the music and he came, uh, the direct quote is, I come to play. Um, we talk about his discipline and his education, his classical training and, and this innate ability that, that he brought to the, 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 the keyboard and, and the respect that he has. Barry talks a great deal about the respect he has for the piano. Um, Billy Joel and Herbie Hancock, Quincy Jones, John Batista. We have so many, so many great uh, guests showing up in this film talking about their relationship, not only to Oscar's music, but also to his, his, his activism. And it really comes out in a, in a, in a beautiful piece uh, called Hymn to Freedom. And if you don't know it, you need to check it out. I, I gotta say, you know, as, uh, as a Canadian, I was embarrassed. Uh, and I, I think I mentioned this to Barry in the interview that I was embarrassed that I didn't know more about this man's life. We, we, we talk about the civil rights movement and racism and, 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 and what it means to push back against the status quo and the, 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 the alchemy of music comes up. How beautiful is that? And, and, and why music should really be a, a universal, uh, you know, but I will say the thing that really sticks not only for me with the film and, and with my uh, chat with Barry, and we barely scratched the surface, of course, as usual here on Face to Face, but uh, we could have easily gone on for another hour or two, I'm sure. But the, the, the joy the celebration, the this human, uh, and 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 as John Batiste says, the spiritual component of, of Oscar's work, and and that thread, it's just it's a it's a wonderful uh, reminder of 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 being of staying present 
and 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 being in the moment. So uh, buckle up. Uh, you're, I hope you're going to enjoy the interview and and make sure you get out to see the film. Uh, Toronto International Film Festival going to be on Crave in the near future. Going global uh, also uh, very soon. So so look for it online. You can always check back on Face to Face as well. We we offer up that kind of info and, and our newsletters and and uh, by the way, sign up for our newsletter. You can do that at davidpecklive.com uh, or face-to-face-live.ca. That'll get you to the same place. Uh, coming up on, no joke, coming up on 600 interviews. We've been at this for a while. If you like what we're doing, please leave a review for us on iTunes. We would really appreciate that. Socially mediate the heck out of what we're up to here. Share it with family and friends. Sign up for the newsletter. Like it on YouTube. If that's where you're listening, please subscribe to the channel as well. What a pleasure having Barry Averich on the show today to talk about his new film, Oscar Peterson. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We are joined by a very special guest here with us today. We have Barry Averich, writer, producer, director, here to talk about his new film that's premiering at Toronto International Film Festival in, wow, I guess just a few days. Barry, uh, thanks for joining us here today to talk about Oscar Peterson, Black and White. My pleasure. Nice to be here with you. Yeah, so tell tell our listeners right out of the gate, and I'm going to cover this a little bit later, probably in in, in the interview as well. But it's it's so we've got this premiere happening at the uh, Toronto International Film Festival, going to be at theaters on September 18th, of course, 2021. For those of you listening a few years from now, and of course, uh, going to be uh, airing on Crave. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so Crave, as you know, is uh, is sort of the uh, uh, the the I call it the Netflix of Canada. Bell Media's uh, fantastic. Uh, home uh for movies and so we'll we'll uh we'll show it nationally on crave october 22nd we'll begin there after cineplex and uh then on to uh ctv for those that don't have crave uh and uh, i'm excited it's my uh, third film in partnership with them and and they're it's a, a certainly a great place to work no that's excellent and and what about for international viewers are you uh you looking at getting it out to the to the the, the globally and the, in oh, the not future uh hundred percent. So That's Fremantle, and, you know, most people have seen their name on the end of all kinds of television shows. Uh, Fremantle's picked up the film. Uh, oh, that's amazing. And, and they're selling it as we speak. Uh, I, you know, I certainly hope we end up landing uh, somewhere special uh, in the United States and globally. There's already interest because it's Oscar from Denmark and Sweden and Germany and uh, all over the place. Yeah. So I'm France. And so, you know, Oscar's... That's- Barry, that is amazing. That's amazing. And congratulations. That's exactly what it should be. Uh, I wish you all the success in the world. I love the film. It's, uh, it's, it's just a real, it's a real celebration is what it is, you know, and I loved, and I want to return to this, but I love how John Batiste talked about, about, you know, just the, the, the joy that, that this man exuded when he performed and when he played. And I just, I just felt that, thread that buzz throughout the whole film so again congratulations and and again thanks thanks for taking the time to 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 spend a few minutes with us here today can you tell us a little bit about oscar i i have to say i was embarrassed that i didn't know more about this man's career it's just it's remarkable the 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 breadth and the depth of of what he was able to accomplish well i'll say a few things i mean I, i grew up in montreal uh and as i was growing up in montreal and and you know my parents had six albums, uh, uh, records. One of them was Oscar Peterson. My mother would take me to hear him play. I saw him twice at Place des Arts, first time when I was age 11. I did not know he was from Montreal, probably didn't hear it in his introduction. Right. Uh, and uh, so I love the fact that he's from my hometown. 
I will say what's what's I think really culminates Oscar is he has a line in the beginning of the film where he says, I come to play. And that's him. I mean, that's what he loved doing. Uh, and, you know, I'm not Michael Moore. I wasn't looking to find the drama and, you know, and exploit certain situations. And uh, there is no needle in the arm in here. There's no finding Neverland. This is a, you know, a consummate musician um, who exuded music and professionalism, you know, as uh, uh, imbued on him by his father in terms of that discipline to play. And his entire career is about getting better and elevating the, uh, the, the genre of jazz to just another level that we had never seen before. He says really early on um, that uh, the line was, all I think about is piano. Yeah. D- did you get a sense for that? I don't know that what I would call as, you know, from my philosophical sort of background, that tacit knowledge that, that, that Oscar would, would draw from to, to be able to just think about this all the time and to play well, presumably better than almost anyone in the world. I love what Billy Joel says. I'd give, what did he say? I'd give my left arm to be able to play like Oscar Peterson, which is hysterical. You know, uh, Billy Joel, I mean, that's an interesting one in that if you, I was just listening to Billy Joel play at um, Shea Stadium the other day uh, playing New York State of Mind and just sort of riffing around like Oscar would. Uh, so certainly Billy had the chops and has the chops. I, you know, Oscar is one of those phenomenons. There's no question that he had classical training, but you can be trained uh, from now till next uh, Christmas. And it means nothing if you don't have it in you. And absolutely he yeah. had this innate ability, as Ramsey Lewis said, to cover all 88 keys with those big hands of his and and he just understood that uh, connection to the ivory that no one nice. else really could, would, and would ever have uh, in their lifetimes. It just it just poured out of him uh, at such a young age. You know, Mal- Malcolm Gladwell talks about the ten thousand hours, right? That you've got to put in to to be to be a pro, to be an expert, to get to a place where where you can just sit down and do what Oscar did. But it seems to me he was pretty much able to do that kind of right out of the gate. You know, it's just, he, you say innate, he, you know, did he, you know, uh, was he born uh, a genius or, or was it, a, you know, is it a both and? Well, you know, I, I remember working on a documentary series a thousand years ago called Born Talking, how kids, babies are born talking. Uh, and uh, Oscar was uh, born to play again, you know, his, his, he, his father would bring home those albums or right. one of them and he can sit down. And although he learned how to read music and write it, it was already in him. Uh, and, yeah. and he could yeah. emulate what he was hearing and then do it better, do it faster, uh, uh, do it with a precision that was so mm. extraordinary, uh, in his playing. And at the same time, you know, what I'm left with from this film I'm jumping to a question you'll probably have at the end of the interview, but but no, that's it, okay. It, no, go, go. It, it's just the fact that in I'm a I'm a, a music freak and have studied uh everybody except probably the classical composers to the degree that I've studied jazz and R and B and blues. He has to be or has to have been the most generous performer I I a musician I'd ever seen. Ever. Uh Yes, there's others uh, that give credit to their ensembles and their trios and quartets. But Oscar, it just wasn't about him. It was about the music. 
Yeah, it's really remarkable. I'm so glad you said that. And I'm, I, and I think we would have got there either way. But I, I love that. Uh, and I don't want to leave behind that his this innate ability. His dad talked about um, what did he call it? A workable knowledge of music. Right. <laughs> so right. so he brought him up, sort of like you say, classically. Here you go. Here are the tools. Now off you go, and 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 do what you can to make something something of this. And I think it's you know study to a point you got to step in but clearly there's a passion and there's a there's a there's a there's a soul of of some kind here right whatever well, that and, means well yes it's passion it's also respect you know i, I remember mm-hmm. watching you know growing up jerry lee lewis pound the piano pound it murder it uh <laughs> and and you know and i and when i did the david foster film david talked about touring with chuck berry and how he would just it wasn't about music. He would just destroy the guitar. Right. Uh, and with the theatrics Oscar, almost. Well, exactly. Oscar respected the piano. Uh, and that's the difference. He can kill it and respect it uh, and understood it. Where the others were just, it was just more about performance than about uh, musicmanship. You know, uh, I mean, the closest I'd seen in terms of that, that um, ferocious way of playing was Buddy Rich. But at the same time, and they called him the killer, but that but it was the same time he respected the drums and the and the instrument and the precision of it. He respected it just like Oscar, you know, respected the piano. I love that you talked about his generosity because, you know, the celebration in this film is a, it's a beautiful thread. Uh, you know, it's the kind of it's the kind of story. It's the kind of film that you end and you're just you're in a I don't know, this is going to sound corny, Barry, but you're in a more joyful place. There's yes, this, yes, yes. it's not, it's not quite the, maybe the music that you're going to tap the steering wheel to. It's not, you know, the beach boys maybe driving down with your windows and your uh, open and your Ray-Bans on, you know, but it's still this sense, this deep sense for me anyway, of, of celebration and joy and generosity is such a, a beautiful thing. And, and John Batista, he talked about it as well, just this, uh, almost the spiritual component, you know, and, and I love how you included his thoughts on art. Is it Art Tatum? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not sure who it was that was in, interviewing him, but did, didn't Oscar say like, who are these two guys playing the piano in, in reference to art? And well, there was exactly. this, sense, this respect again, right? We're back to this sense of respect and celebrating the other that I just thought was so beautiful. Well, Oscar, you know, uh, uh, you know, the story's told in the film where, where Oscar's father brings home an Art Tatum record and says, here, uh, and and Oscar listens to it and gives up the piano for a month or two. It's I could never be that good, uh, <laughs> and then goes a, back at it and is and is so that good. much better. But I mean, Billy Joel says there's no one else. It's Art Tatum and and uh, and Oscar Peterson. Yeah, it's just so. I just love the way that that uh, uh, the, the the interviewer asked him. I think. Oh, I forget what. Oh, oh, and 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 he's blind too, don't you know? And 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 Oscar says, "Oh, great, you had to bring that up." <laughs> <laughs> I, it might that have been such- it might have been Dick Cavett, but uh, but was Oscar such- was self deprecating that way, uh, and and you you see that in the film, which is very much as you say a celebration. I I wasn't looking to you know uncover anything. There'll be critics. Uh, my documentary will go, you know, do we need this film? I don't know that we got to know Oscar Peterson. I, I always face that in documentary films, and I'm not making the films for critics to get to know anybody. I want to come, <laughs> I want the audience to get lost in his music. I, I yeah. was, in 2002, I walked into the um, Uptown Theater in Toronto and mm-hmm. sat and watched 
standing in the shadows of Motown, uh, the Funk Brothers, the story about the Funk Brothers, the backline of all the great Motown artists, Marvin Gaye and uh, Smokey and everybody. And, uh, and they had these fabulous musical breaks during the documentary where the Funk Brothers would play the Motown hits. And I said to myself then, uh, my God, uh, so many years ago that if I ever make a music documentary, I want to do that. And so that's why, you know, in Oscar, I got together these musicians on that cold uh, day at the end of February of this year, just recently to play Oscar's music and let the audience take a break because Oscar's music is a freight train. Uh, it's a freight night train. It just keeps moving. And, uh, and that was, you know, one of the things, you know, one of the directions that my, producing partner Mark Selby and I had to our editor was to, you know, is we want this film to move as fast as Oscar's music. And there were cuts that I looked at that were just relentless uh, that, you know, I, all right, well, let me, let me, let's introduce these musical performances and let the audience take a bit of a break. So, so the, the, the content and the form kind of came together in a, in a very intentional way on this one. hundred from- percent. From from day one, that's how we planned it. And I generally map my films out with index cards on a wall of where the acts are and where the beats are and whatnot. But the the musical interludes were going to be the storytelling. Some of it was obvious in terms of where Oscar was in his life when he writes something uh, and like him to freedom. And I'm sure we'll talk about that and love Balad and in terms of his, his, uh, his, you know, love affair with his last wife, um, Kelly. So certain certain parts of it were chronological and purposeful. Others were just musical breaks. Yeah. Were you concerned at all that 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 it wasn't chronological? That you were just sort of dropping into his life at at different points and almost, uh, I was going to say postmodern way. That's not what I mean at all. Uh, in a, in a bit of a disconnected way because it's it's kind of like a buffet of who Oscar Peterson was, right? Well, I mean, thank you for saying that. I, I look, I, I it's loosely chronological. I you tend to with documentaries and you know I'm close to fifty of them that you know wow. there is a there is a formula. And, sure. you know, I'll, I'll, you know, and the general criticism of all documentaries is, well, it's, it's talking heads. It's talking heads. Sure. Well, in, in a documentary, and these people that write this annoy me greatly because a documentary documents something. So what are your options? Uh, horrible recreations, which I will <laughs> not do. Uh, you know, animation, which I did a little, little of in my last doc made you look about the art fraud. I'll do some of that, uh, or you know, uh, uh, drone shots. <laughs> you Lots of drone shots. Film, you can't submit a film um, to Netflix today unless you have uh, forty-two drone shots. That makes a documentary. <laughs> so you know, you try to find a way to move around it by you know creating these sort of situations where your people are could be in you know maybe they're cooking, maybe they're walking to the office, maybe they're behind the scenes, and so you're constantly looking for ways to avoid the talking head syndrome. So the structure was different for me. And I'm, I'm, I'm very, very happy with the way that came together. Uh, I, th- I think it's beautiful. And, and um, uh, yeah, it doesn't sound like you're too worried about the critics at all. And, and I think that it's about, for me, a documentary and I've, it's a, isn't it about experiencing something going somewhere that you probably haven't been before? Yes. It's a, it's an exercise in, in, in information and history and we learn things, you know, but it's really about stepping into somebody else's life. And wow, I think, uh, I think that comes through loud and clear. Look, I think the message is, you know, it's whether it it doesn't matter whether you, you know, you knew who Oscar was, even if whether you're a jazz fan, 
uh, or not. It's just, you know, come spend 80 minutes in this world that we're living in, uh, learning about somebody that just took an art form to another level. Well, I was, I was, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say, Billy Joel said, what did he say? He reinvented the piano. I mean, that is, yes. that's a serious comment coming from a, from a Billy Joel. By the way, well, I saw him at Maple Leaf Gardens 35 years ago. I had the, I was in the nosebleed section. I didn't think I was going to enjoy the show and Billy Joel just knocked it out of the park. Oh it my was, God. It was incredible. Yeah. Just incredible. I was very lucky to get him. I think part of it was the topic uh, and part of it was COVID and that a lot of these artists were not um, touring. Sure. Uh, and yeah. so, you know, to be able to say, okay, fine, you know, my crew is vaxxed, uh, we'll come in in a hazmat suit, whatever you need us to do, but, you know, can you give us, you <laughs> yeah. know, uh, some time and, you know, That's and, and it's, am it's amazing. I'm so. I'm so glad he's a, he's he's in the film, and of course Herbie uh, Herbie Hancock, Quincy Jones. It's really, really quite 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 remarkable what you've pulled off. He wasn't afraid of anything. I'm not sure who said that, but was that what allowed him to step into this idea of reinventing the piano? As Billy Joel says, do you think it was a lack of fear when it came to the keys? I just you know Quincy Jones says that. I don't know that he ever thought about fear. Um, you know, uh, he he just he loved the instrument. Uh, and he was so confident um, to sit yeah. down. I, I didn't uncover anything where he's, you know, uh, insecure about a composition. Um, he knew uh, the uh, alchemy of the other instruments and right. the other musicians. And that, again, that generosity of knowing where they come in, where he comes in. And so there was just a confidence in his playing. And you see it. We scoured the earth looking for performances and, and interviews for this film. And, and it was amazing to find incredible stuff from Denmark and Vienna and Japan uh, and watching him play primarily because I didn't want the burden on my shoulders of telling Oscar's story. I wanted it to be in Oscar's words, you know, yeah. uh, in my own words. So good. In his own words. It's amazing what you were able to access. It really is. Uh, it really is brilliant. Yeah, I, I think you, you, your comment about it not even thinking about fear is is pretty remarkable. And you got to wonder. I mean, as a, as a performer who spent a bit of time on stage, I, I've always dealt with a little tiny bit of that stage sure. fright going on. Right? You get it in front of the microphone. You, I would imagine, it's similar to a premiere for a film. You know, you're sitting in the audience. Right? It's you got that feeling in your stomach, and 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 yet, boy, he just. Yeah, as Billy Joel says, he he reinvented it seems every time you sat down. Yeah, yeah, he did. I I mean, I actually hate uh being in the audience when these films run. Primarily, if, you know, if somebody goes to the bathroom, I'm in a state of panic uh, because <laughs> it just it breaks the attention and I almost want to follow them to the into the bathroom to say, "Okay, here's what you're missing." So yeah. when you come back, are you planning on coming back? Yeah, why didn't you oh, like no. my film? Why did you leave the theater? Yeah. It just, I can't, it just drives me nuts if there's, you know, any on that end of it. But I will say the, the double-edged sword is that to have this at TIFF, God willing, with a live audience is the first time in three movies of mine that I've, I've released during COVID where I'll be with an audience. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, I, I I'm looking forward to 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 reading the reviews, and I hope that I hope the Q and A goes goes really well. Hey, listen. So let's talk about that. 
you know, you that 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 social justice aspect that that does come out in the film, and and I and, you know I I hope that you know th- these aren't spoilers because I think this is the kind of film you can know everything about this the the content and the structure and still have a wonderful, uh, a beautiful experience and time with the film, um, hymn to freedom, anthem for civil rights, racial hatred. I mean, this was the time it seems you know not that today isn't the time as well, but it was just with what was going on in, in, in the sixties in Vietnam and so on. And, and here he was playing seemingly doing incredibly well and yet dealing with a deep hatred really and racism that is just Barry seeing it in your film. It's, I just, I'm shaking my head going, really, we were there. And in some ways we're kind of still are, aren't we? Well, of course we are. I mean, I, you know, it was, an, it was such an important piece for the film. I wanted to spend a lot of time on it. Uh, I, you know, I, I had went to the Toronto Film Festival, dragged a friend of mine to see Green Book. He had no interest in seeing it. Uh, ends up becoming a sleeper film, wins the Oscar, where I think the first time the world really saw what it was like for musicians on the road in the South at that time. There, you know, there's been lots of documentaries about uh, civil rights movement and the, the atrocities uh, that were executed, but, uh, with, as a reference to, as it relates to musicians, we'd heard stories, many musicians had written about it. Again, we saw it in green book. And then when I started to unpack him to freedom and I, well, wait a minute, I've got to go back in and really look at this, not only for Oscar, but you know, how does the song, how does the song still resonate today? Why is it still relevant? Uh, you know, uh, 50, 40 years later, rather, uh, and and here's what I found out, which was interesting for Oscar, that yes, he'd experienced uh, uh, prejudice in Montreal and discrimination in Montreal growing up, 100%. It's everywhere. Then when he hits the road, the issue becomes, how do you uh, deal with that odd disconnect of an audience uh, applauding, adulation pouring out from, um, the, from, the, from the seats onto the stage? And you walk off that stage and you're on a high as a performer. My God, I really killed them. And then the fans would come up and say, you, Mr. Peterson, that was unbelievable. And he'd say, thank you. And he'd put his hand out and they wouldn't shake his hand. They wouldn't hug him. And so suddenly that feeling of adulation just goes to, you know, tremendous despair uh, and, and, uh, and sadness for him aside from, you know, full frontal, uh, violent acts on the road, just that massive disconnect between the audience uh, and touring. Uh, you come off of a stage, uh, you killed them, and you'd be heading to the washroom and the hotel manager or a nightclub manager would say, oh, Mr. Peterson, where are you going? Well, I'm just going to use the washroom. Oh, no, 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 no. There's an outhouse in the back. What? So, uh, and it wasn't only in the U.S., it was in the U.K. as well that he saw that. Uh, so that hymn to freedom piece to me um, the music, the lyrics, everything still resonates, which is why I really included the footage of what's going on today uh, that that segues from Martin Luther King to George Floyd and on to really say that, you know, uh, if Oscar were here today, uh, I, I think he'd think that the song was still relevant and paramount. And in fact, that it is. I love how you include the Martin Luther King Jr. quote, we can never be satisfied. Yeah. And I think 
I think it's all of us have to, you know, what does W.H. Auden say? Uh, an artist must live in a constant state of siege, I think is the line. It's true. And, and I, I, W.H. Auden? No, exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I get, I got that sense from, you know, we can never be satisfied. And, 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 and isn't that where we all should really be? It's about questioning. It's about peeling back the layers. It's about coming alongside. And, and it's, yeah, I mean, to, to, to see, like you say, that segue into what's going on today you know, what's happening in Afghanistan. I mean, it's, we're, we, we got so, wow. The, the boulder is, is kind of down near the bottom of the, of the mountain. We've got a long way to go, right? Long way to go. And, and, you know, long way to go. And, and, you know, why would, you know, Barack Obama choose Oscar's song for his inauguration, um, considering all of the other, you know, Americans, uh, that had written, uh, compositions on this topic. It's, uh, it's, re- it's remarkable that, that, that it really is this, uh, this anthem. Uh, uh, and, uh, I'm so, I mean, just that alone as a takeaway from the film, I think for, for audience members is a brilliant reminder of what was, what is, and what really, you know, could, could be the, the Barry, don't you include a scene uh, or a shot of, of, or somebody narrating how the chairs were separated in theaters? Yeah. And there, there was like a, there was like a, I mean, talk about, I mean, it was mathematical, the precision of the separation. Oh, it was all uh, methodical, mathematical, uh, uh, just complete, pure discrimination. But that's, you know, that's, that's what, even in the movie theaters in those days, balcony versus orchestra. I mean, that's, that's the way it was. Uh, Class divisions uh, in the theater. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's what he saw. Uh, and, uh, and, and experienced and the same thing with the hotels and the restaurants and, you know, uh, the only time you really saw, uh, this incredible, uh, non-segregated situation was on the tour bus where you would have a mix of of artists brilliantly, uh, connecting. And as Oscar talks about playing together, you know, Ella Fitzgerald and Herb Ellis getting his guitar out, you, I just wish somebody had recorded uh, those sort of bootleg sessions on the bus right. touring. My God, that would have been great to hear. Oh, all the stuff that wasn't captured, right? The the yeah. the moments, the yeah. moments in time. It really is brilliant. And I mean, this is what's so beautiful to me about about documentary and and this kind of narrative. It's uh, uh, yeah, absolutely beautiful that we can step inside somebody else's. Uh, I'm not going to say mine, but certainly uh, a life to to some degree. I love what Herbie Hancock had to say, and I want to come back briefly before we wrap up. Um, uh, to talk about music as an act of resistance. Somebody, somebody talks about that. If you, you've, you've studied music all your life, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. But Herbie Hancock, I believe said, it's not about the notes. And this goes back maybe to his education and this, the celebration and the joy. It's about the heart of the person playing in your film. Um, I got a sense for Oscar that he really was a kind, uh, uh, generous, beautiful guy, you know, clearly, you, 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 you raise some questions about, about his life and, and the loneliness that he probably felt and not being able to share some of it with, with a partner. And, and we get this sort of glimpse into the, the, the challenges that he might've faced, but here was this performer that was, I don't know, he was all about embrace, wasn't he? He sure was. He had time for everybody. Yeah. He was was a teacher. Uh, he was a mentor. Uh, and, and, uh, I mean, in, in the several, several occasions where I did meet him, 
later in life. Uh, he was a listener, uh, the same way Quincy Jones is, and I have that same relationship with him. Uh, he listens and he's curious. Uh, I'll, I'll never nice. forget, you know, a Quincy Jones anecdote. I was going through a horrible time uh, with with a, a a horrendous business partner, and uh, I was in L.A. and I was sitting with Quincy, and and he sensed it. And I'm telling him the story and, and he, you know, he just grabbed my hand and he said, don't you get it? And I said, what, what Quincy? And he said, in order to have a beautiful photograph, you must have a negative. So you'll live through the negative to get to the beautiful picture. It's good. Okay. You know, and it's so simple, but it helped me not only the fact that it was Quincy and Oscar was the same way. He listened. He was wise. If you watch those interviews with Dick Cavett or David Frost or whomever, uh, so fabulously insightful oh. uh, and generous and, and uh, respectful. Oh, and just, and just in the moment, like it just comes through in some of the tight close-ups on his face. Like he's not rattled in any way, shape or form. He's just, and so present, like that really comes exactly. through. It was never a Miles Davis thing. Well, the, the sort of shtick of, uh, you know, I, I remember years ago, the empresario, um, Garth Drabinsky bringing in Miles Davis to the Pantages Theater. He would do this Monday night series. And we were all taking bets. Will this be the performance where Miles plays to the audience? Or, you know, Miles famously at some performances, many of them would not even face the audience. He'd play with his back to the audience. And it, he was precise and brilliant, but he didn't care. Oscar cared. Yeah, Oscar cared. Yeah, it really it really comes out. He was a pro. He was a pro in that sense, a consummate pro. Though he performing, but but clearly, you you were getting. I got the sense you were getting the real guy in those interviews. Oh, every transparent time. and authentic, and every time, even after, and we deal with the folk and in the, the film, his stroke. Uh, you know, he went back at it, uh, and uh, I think it was Cornell West who said, "You'd never even know." That's right. Yeah. Nice little, nice little uh, shout out to George Strombolopoulos there. Yes. Too, in the film. Yes. That was lovely. Yeah. Yeah. That was really fun. So, you know, can we, can we kind of, sadly, we're going to have to wrap up here in a few minutes and, 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 uh, again, I'm here uh, if you need me. What's that? I'm here if you need me. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So talk to me a little bit about music as an act of resistance. I think most of us get that sense that, you know, the rock and roll rebel, you don't necessarily get that sense from a, I don't know, a classical artist or, or, or a jazz pianist necessarily. And yet hymn to freedom. Well, it's a truthful song. It's a truthful hymn. It's a truthful piece, but, but I, you know, you don't necessarily think of jazz as, as an act of rebellion, if you know what I mean. Well, I think it is. I mean, you know, it's where, you know, jazz artists, and we deal with this in the film extensively. I mean, jazz artists really did not have a uh, exposure to a legitimacy, as as people call it, to a white audience or to the mainstream venues. So right. I think if anything, and there was such power in there. So to me, you know, the 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 resistance and the determination of it was to say, you know, how do we elevate this art form why should it just be in the basement of night smoky nightclubs noisy nightclubs how do we make this mainstream and it ends up being norman grands who is you know spectacularly takes them and creates jazz the philharmonic sure. and takes them to lincoln center and to venues all over the world yeah it's uh, remarkable. so i i think if anything it's the resistance of 
of where the of black musicians had to go versus the Tommy Dorseys and the Benny Goodmans who were getting all the airplay and getting all the attention uh, and, and where jazz was, you know, ghettoized to a certain degree uh, until it really explodes forward and said, you, you know, you must listen to these musicians. And, and, uh, and then, you know, they're phenomenal compositions that are written. I think music has always been, a, you know, the, the anthems that are written are, uh, are activism on that end of it, like Hymn to Freedom, which says, look, why can't we all come together? Music should be universal. And it certainly wasn't until, you know, we get through that, uh, horrendous segregation in theaters and, and and black musicians having, you know, uh, right human rights on that end of it. So, um, you know, you're right in that. Uh, yes, rock and roll sense of defiance, uh, Vietnam, uh, and the Rolling Stones and Jimi Hendrix and all of that sending a message on that end of it. But I think jazz is, plays that role as well. Way way more subtle, right? Way more yes. understated, I think. And I love the fact that here was this guy who, again, let's come back to the joy and the celebration and the beauty of that, the humanity of that, found in that for all these audience, these millions of people around the world, and yet he was still pushing back against the status quo. I just, I love that. 100%. Exploding. I mean, this was, I always talk about my films of artists who can fill a frame. Uh, Oscar went beyond the frame. Uh, and and just and just exploded beyond that in his music with and at the same time being really nice guy. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's definitely doable. Maybe that's a little bit of a shout out to politicians around the world, Barry. Well, and other awesome? performers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, man, what a what a pleasure having you on on the show today, and and thank, thank you. you for joining us on Face to Face. So so just before we wrap, world premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival going to be on Crave in the not so distant future. Theaters soon going global by the sounds of it. Um, can 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 you tell us? Uh, uh, um, can you talk about what's next or, or, or are you just in the middle of, of Oscar? <laughs> oh my God. No, I have six projects uh, going. I mean, made you look my documentary on the art fraud is being developed into a scripted series. Uh, I'm working on a, uh, uh, a documentary now that we're filming on uh, uh, Rosalie Abella, the Canadian Supreme court justice, our Canadian uh, RBG. Uh, so working on a very fun moving documentary about her life and her message uh, I'm working on a project with uh, RKO uh, Studios on one of their uh, scandalous actresses from the 30s. So uh, getting ready to produce the Scotiabank Giller Prize 2021 uh, and uh, and doing some work with the Stratford Festival on their productions, filming them. So it's uh, it's a busy time. I think, yeah, I was going to say, I think the question is, what, what do you do in your spare time? That. <laughs> that's right although I, these wonderful breaks of spending time with you is is certainly a, an oasis for me so i appreciate uh, it well listen thanks what a pleasure having you on the show uh looking forward to see where where the film goes we've been talking with barry average today about his beautiful and 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 warm and generous uh, celebration of oscar peterson's life the film is called oscar peterson black and white you need to see this film barry thanks so much for the time today anytime thank you so there you have it, Barry Averich talking about his new film, Oscar Peterson. Make sure you check it out as soon as you can. If you don't get to see it at the Toronto International Film Festival, it will be on Crave soon. 
and coming soon to a theater near you. And also look for a video on demand uh, around the globe in the not so distant future. What a great time I had with Barry. Looking forward to his next film. He sounds like a very busy guy doing uh, a whole lot in the film world uh, as a writer, producer, and director. So yeah, looking forward for uh, for him and uh, to, to what's next. Don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about my writing and speaking and also my podcasting. You'll find out uh, all, I don't know, 580 interviews there from face to face. And if you uh, like what we're doing, please, please like us on uh, YouTube. Sign up to the channel if that's where you're listening. If you're on iTunes or Spotify, we would love a review. Take a few minutes to please give us a review. It all helps social mediate uh, uh, the heck out of face to face and what we're doing here if you can and sign up for the newsletter too if, if you're on the site uh, we don't uh, inundate you with, with uh, emails throughout the year about four maybe four or five emails a year just to keep up to date on what we're up to thanks again for joining me today on face to face and for listening in on a uh, what i think was a wonderful interview with barry average and a beautiful uh, new uh, compelling celebration of oscar peterson's life the film's called oscar peterson black and white 